0: This is The Guardian. The image many of us will have of the UK lush, rolling hills and meadows, shimmering chalk streams, fields with giant oak trees and finches overhead well, it doesn't really fit with reality anymore. The variety of plant and animal life in the UK is so depleted it could cause an ecological meltdown.
1: Even in those identified as conservation priorities, there's been an average 60% decline. Look how many orchards there are here, how many trees there are there. Lots of Kent was like this, whereas this is what it looks like now. There's hardly a tree to be seen.
0: Rising sea levels are exposing hundreds of landfill sites that are leaking there toxic contents into surrounding areas. I remember a time when there used to be hedgehogs. So I used to watch them in our garden and out the back gate as it was getting dark. And I just wish that I could see all this abundant life now, the way it used to be then. Things need to change, and soon. So, this week, the government published a Major Environmental Improvement Plan, or EIP, for England, and it sets out ambitious targets promising to restore nature and improve the environmental quality of air, water and land. But is this blueprint ambitious enough? Will it really be able to halt and reverse the dire environmental outlook and restore our green and pleasant lands? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay and this is Science Weekly. Harvey, you're an environment editor at The Guardian, and you've been looking at the government's new environment plan for England. But before we get to that, I'd like to get some context. Here in the UK more widely, we haven't been great at looking after our environment historically, have we?
1: Oh, it's been woeful. The UK is one of the most nature depleted countries in the world. And a lot of that has happened. uh, Well, it's happened over centuries, but a lot of it has happened in the last uh, 50 years where we've had plunging numbers of farm birds, of wildlife of all sorts around the country. Reduction of habitat for all kinds of species, we've seen species that we would have thought you know were quite common in the past, like hedgehogs and waterfalls, really driven to the edge, and really a lot of that has been owing to neglect to the fact that we haven't taken care of our environment, to the rise of intensive farming and to increasing urbanisation. So, to
0: counter some of this, in 2018, ministers came up with quite an ambitious 25-year plan. Now, what were the main features of that?
1: Well, the 25-year environment plan started off with this very noble aim of leaving things in a better state than we find them. But it didn't say a great deal about exactly how that would be achieved the Environmental Improvement Plan that's meant to be basically a blueprint for the next 15 years, really, of action across a huge range of environmental issues, from species loss to water quality, all the way to people's access to green spaces. Pretty much everything that you can think of in the environment is meant to be in there. And
0: this basically translates the 2018 goals into policy. But I wonder in the interim, in those five years, have we actually been making
1: any progress? It's hard to see a great deal of progress over the last five years. And in fact, the Office of Environmental Protection, which is the watchdog that was set up under the Environment Act, it reported back that we've been failing across most of our environmental measures and on the few that have not been failing, they haven't shown any progress. So it's a pretty dire picture actually. We're also seeing in in a different part of of the government's operations, we're seeing uh, the government creating more confusion potentially over some of its existing regulations because the government has resolved that all of the the existing regulations that come from the EU will be reviewed and many of them scrapped before the end of the year. Now, we thought originally that there would be about 570 environment regulations that this review and potential scrappage applied to. Now, we find out that there are nearly 1,800 environment regulations that will be affected that would be a mammoth task at any time. To try to do that at the same time as halting the decline in the UK's environment and improving the UK's environment is going to be even harder.
0: Fiona, we've got this plan, this big document that spells out the targets for the next five years and you've been digging into this. What are some of the Key pledges?
1: Well, this plan covers a a huge amount. It's uh, 262 pages long, and there are some great pledges in there. For instance, that every home will be within 15 minutes' walk of a natural green space or water. There's been other pledges such as improving air pollution, looking at at what we do with the wastewater. There's been an awful lot of ground covered in this plan. Some of it gets very detailed, like, for instance, down to the level of installing dual flush toilets in new housing developments. But we're also told by green experts that there's an awful lot of gaps as well, unfortunately.
0: Some of these pledges sound quite good on the surface, but they also sound a little bit vague. I mean, living within 15 minutes of green space or water sounds fantastic, but it's hard to understand what that actually means, how they're going to actually achieve something like that.
1: Yes, that's the problem here, that you've really got to implement these pledges in, in the right way. So to take that example you're using of uh, people living within 15 minutes of a green space, if that green space is some kind of rundown urban park, which the council has got no money to improve, so it's just a kind of patch of grass and mud and litter all over it and it's not very inviting or appealing, then the fact that you're within 15 minutes of it is not really going to help you very much.
0: And I know that one of the places that they did say that they would put some funding into was a survival fund, which is to protect some of our most endangered species. What would that money be spent on?
1: Well, we don't know how much money that is at the moment. Apparently, it's still a matter of discussion with the Treasury. So we'll see how that goes. It's difficult to do any of this unless you have the buy-in of a lot of the owners of the countryside and the people who work the countryside who are farmers. And a lot of farmers are under a lot of financial pressure at the moment, and they want to maximize their food production to make money. If you want them to prioritise the environment instead, then you might need to give them some more funding to do that.
0: And you attended a press conference with Environment Secretary Therese coffee, where she was announcing this plan did you see much recognition that this is the kind of thing that they would need to do for farmers if they wanted to achieve the goals that they've now pledged
1: to? I asked the question of Therese Coffey whether there would be new money behind this plan and she didn't answer directly but she told me in not so many words that really we had a lot of funding there already in various ways. I asked the same question to Mark Spencer, the farming minister, and he said that we've got £2.4 billion going from the taxpayer to farmers every year which is the amount that the government has put in to replace the subsidies uh, under the EU that we used to get, and that that should be enough. He told me, in fact, that it was a privilege for farmers to farm in the UK's beautiful landscape. And he said that most farmers want to farm in an environmentally sustainable manner. Most farmers do care about the environment. I'm sure that's true. Nevertheless, we've seen a massive degradation in the UK's environment over the past 50 years. A lot of it has been down to intensive farming, so that shows really that farmers' goodwill alone is not really enough to save the environment. Now,
0: funding Aside, another one of the pledges that caught my eye was tackling sewage spills, which was such a massive issue last year going into this year. And the sewage spills are supposedly going to be tackled with upgrades to 160 wastewater treatment works by 2027. What did you make of that?
1: The basic problem here, the reason why water companies are pouring sewage into rivers and beaches is, one, because they can, the government doesn't stop them, and two, because it's cheaper to do so than it is to actually upgrade your water systems. And really, the government needs to tackle that. And it seems to me, and it seems to a lot of experts I've spoken to, that there are more direct ways in which the government could act to call these water companies to account. So it seems strange that if the goal is to stop sewage in our waterways, and that's what ought to be the goal, then that could be achieved by regulating these companies far more stringently. But the government doesn't seem to want to do that.
0: Yeah, I was also struck by by the fact that one of the key pledges was on toilet flushes, which, you know, water efficiency is of course really important, but it kind of pales in comparison to what's happening already with all of our sewage, and it seems to kind of put the onus on improvements further down the line, rather than sorting out what's going on already.
1: Similarly, look at something like uh, air pollution. Therese Coffey said that she would have loved to put in more stringent air pollution targets in line with uh, what the World Health Organization tells us is necessary to protect children and and adults' health. But she couldn't. That She didn't think there was any chance of meeting them. So she's gone with the more lax targets. Now, I've spoken to air quality experts and they've told me that it's perfectly possible to meet these more stringent air pollution targets. It just requires action. It requires you to to stop the pollution in the first place. It requires you to get people out of diesel cars and increasingly out of uh, petrol cars. And it requires you to clamp down on wood burning, which is a massive and increasing problem in our urban areas in particular. So there are actions that you could take as a government that would enable you to meet the more stringent air pollution targets that Therese Coffey says she wants.
0: And so going forward, do you see this making a great deal of difference in the UK and our relationship with the environment when we've got so much work to do, do you think this is going to spur us on at all?
1: The key message for me is that there's a lot of targets there, a lot of aspirations that are good and noble to have a cleaner, healthier environment that will benefit everyone in the country. And these are great things. But what we're missing is the hard decisions that some people won't like that are necessary to achieve those targets. Fiona,
0: thank you so much for coming on and unpicking this for us. It's been really fascinating.
1: Thank you, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks again to Fiona Harvey. You can find all of her coverage of the Environmental Improvement Plan for England on theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was Helen Brown. The sound design was by Solomon King. And the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian.